Hello again, everybody, and welcome in to the Pacers podcast. This is episode three. I'm Scott Agnes of VigilantSports.com. For this podcast, I sit down with new Fort Wayne Madness general manager, Brian Levy, to discuss an array of topics. He's an excellent interview, and I really enjoyed sitting down with him. We discussed his past, what ultimately led him to the D-League and to be a general manager in the NBA's developmental league, what the relationship will be like between the Pacers and the Mad Ants, how Frank Vogel and his coaching staff can really benefit. I also talked with him about what he's observed at training camp because he's been at Banker's Life Fieldhouse for the better part of over a month now, working with the coaches, observing what they're doing, what they're teaching. I also hit on his new head coaching hire, Steve Ganzi, who was with the Indiana Pacers in the summer league. He assisted coach Dan Burke down in Orlando. And lastly, for those looking for advice, aspiring to work in a front office, Brian passes on his advice to those looking to work in a similar field. Episode 3 of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast with Fort Wayne Madden's general manager, Brian Levy. Let's get started with your background, how you got involved, first and foremost, in the D-League. You were with the Bakersfield Jam for uh, three years, assistant GM and such. What propelled you then to the D-League? Well, I started off, uh, my first job was in the CBA, um, and I worked there for two years with the East Kentucky Miners. Um, got in as a account executive in sales, but always had a desire to be on the basketball side. But I didn't know anyone and didn't have an end, so kind of got a job where I could and, and volunteered my time on the basketball side. Uh, we had a coach there, Kevin Keithley, who you know was was great coach, but understaffed, and so he needed all the help he could get. So I did my sales job nine to five, and then you know worked the clock or whatever he wow. needed, drove the van. Um, was kind of lucky enough to get an opportunity to do a little bit more that year. Um, and then the second year, kind of strictly basketball for the most part, um, was director of operations there, helped him sign some players and, you know, organize travel, things of that like that. So I got that great experience in the CBA hands-on. You know, I think there was like five full-time employees that we had. <laughs> um, so you got to do everything. And, and I think that was a great experience for me. And then uh, the entire time I was trying to jump into the D-League because I knew that that was a league on the rise and there would be a chance to get in and make some connections that I didn't have and get that uh, additional experience with the NBA and the pro game. So I was able to jump in with the Bakersfield Jam, um, started as their video coordinator um, and then moved on to player personnel and then three years as the assistant general manager. And that was a really, really great organization to be a part of. It's funny, that whole story reminds me of Peter Denwitty, who's the VP of basketball operations here. He got his law degree, wanted to work in, in sports, was tired of just straight law, and started in ticket office. Donnie Walsh found out about it, and after hours, he would do projects for Donnie, and now look where he is today. What's your end game? Ultimately, general manager, president of an NBA franchise? General manager, yeah, uh, would be the ideal uh, those those presidents, they man, they have to do so much. So I would love to just have to handle the basketball side of things. That would okay. that would be ideal for me. Want to talk about the D League and the experience? Because I know I've had conversations with Kevin Pritchard, the GM here of the Pacers, and he he is adamant because he he did some of this. Get your hands in the D League if you ultimately want to work in the pros mm-hmm. and such, because you do everything. You might be washing the equipment one night. You might be on a marketing phone call. You might be calling calling clients customers trying to sell things you you really do everything and thus once you get to a level like this you can truly understand all the little pieces that go into make it not only a successful team but a successful franchise sure and you also appreciate it too when yeah. you finally make it to to that level you know the 
whether it's the travel, the accommodations, anything, like from the D League to the NBA, it's almost night and day, but you're so close at the same time. So I think that's what really helps not only the the transition and the progression, but also the appreciation of what you have now and that you don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And it's the same with the players, the coaches, the referees, everything that the D League does to develop staff and, and people for the NBA. Um, so it, it's really great that you can you can go in and not have any ties to an NBA player, team, coach, and not really know anybody, but go in, work hard, get recognized, get promoted, and find a way into the NBA that way. It's kind of like the American dream in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Before moving past your history, looked up a marketing intern at a race course. Yep. Uh, Tell me about that experience. Sure. Um, I was able to <laughs> get, an, get an internship at uh, New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority. Uh, they control everything in New Jersey from, like, the Meadowlands um, Giant Stadium racetrack, um, Continental Airlines Arena, which is now IZOD Center up there, which does concerts, and they used to have the Nets and used to have uh, the Devils. They also run uh, Monmouth Park Racetrack in uh, uh, in Ocean Port, uh, New Jersey. So that's a thoroughbred racetrack, and I have a family that was in horses. Okay. And so when I, they, I figured there had yeah, to be some so kind of interest for So they were looking long. to assign, like, there were, I think there were 13 interns, 12 of which were in the Meadowlands, which is like an hour and change away from where I live. And then Monmouth Park, which I, I know a little bit about horses, is also only like 40 minutes away from my house. So they one person, they needed to go there, and I volunteered. And so, you know, I was, I was comfortable around horses and everything else. So I got a chance to, you know, teach people how to, how to bet. You know, when large groups would come in. <laughs> That's still uh, something I got to do here. Special projects. It, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, they were getting ready for uh, the Breeders' Crown, the Breeders' Cup, sorry. And um, so helping them set up some logistics of that and then just marketing the racetrack in general. Um, hmm. It was fun. I, I really liked it. That's interesting to me. I still on my to-do list is hit the hit the Kentucky Derby. Uh-huh. There's a couple of racetracks here in Indiana, you know, 30 minutes away. Still need to do that as well. Anyway, that was a little bit fascinating to me. New Jersey native. Yep. Does that help you with Coach Vogel at all? He's oh, also absolutely. a New Jersey yeah, guy. He's a South Jersey guy. I'm a Central Jersey guy. Okay. So, uh, but we know a lot of the same uh, places and people. So uh, as soon as he found out I was a Jersey guy, he was a little bit more inviting to me. So mm-hmm. it was good. You've been around here, at least from, from my eyes, for over a month, it seems like, peeking over to practice court, see you watching the guys here at uh, after every – you're at every um, – training camp practice what are you looking for how are you um trying to learn their system because one of the great appeals i know of this this now with the pacers owning the mad ants is that it's everybody kind of becomes one um particularly on the court where offensive defense and so it can really hopefully be used as a training ground and to develop players yeah it was probably about a month ago that i was here for my initial interview and then you know when the purchase of the team went through they brought me on board and then i was here for um, some workouts and practices and then i've been involved in scouting meetings and personnel meetings and um you know just trying to get up to speed on you know what's important to the pacers how they like to do things you know what kind of players they like what kind of people do they like um you know getting up to speed on this new offense and defense that they're they're putting in um and just kind of meeting everyone and, and getting up to speed so it's been it's been great and so i've been spending the practices just kind of learning you know what they want from the positions on the floor what kind of roles are expected that way i can try to duplicate those things in fort wayne um you know there's some players here that i'm also watching that might you know see their way to fort wayne and Mm -hmm. just get an understanding of who the conditioning coach either this in in particular player or just on a general you know basis so it's uh it's been great you know it's, it's a lot to take in but 
the people here have been absolutely fantastic to me, so I, I couldn't be happier. I'm curious, who sat in on your interview? Who was, who was a part of that? Um, so I interviewed with Peter Dinwiddie and okay. Kevin Pritchard. Um, uh, Larry stopped in and said hello. Uh, so that was that was awesome, you know, for a guy who grew up as a basketball, you know, playing basketball to meet Larry Bird for the first time and now get a chance to work, you know, under him is is great. So it was fun. You're coming from a, a Phoenix Suns organization. How does uh, this style of play that they keep trying to push the up tempo? Got to move it. They're um, talking to Coach. Frank Vogel here recently, he was discussing how the emphasis usually the first part of practice is defense. Well, this year it's kind of been fast breaks all going along the same lines of pushing the tempo. Phoenix out west, that whole style, how does that kind of compare um, with what this team seems to be doing, at least here early on? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, on the whole, Phoenix always wanted to go a little bit faster. Now, when I was there, it wasn't the seven seconds or less kind of offense, but it was. Um, it was it's definitely similar. So, um, the D League kind of lends itself, I think, towards faster players, a little bit smaller players at each position, which is exactly what the Pacers are trying to do. So, um, you know, based on what we were doing, and, and I think what's successful in the D League, um, what the Pacers want to do is is going to work. Do you see? ultimately the whole NBA going this way, the majority of the NBA? How do you see this whole evolution that that it seems it's going that way, certainly? Yeah, a lot of us have talked about it, and it seems like everyone's pretty pretty sure that within five to seven years um, they see the entire league being 30 to 30 um, with D-League teams. And it's just going to be one of those things where once – you know, I think we're at the stage right now where we're getting over the hump with 19 and all being single affiliates, but once it gets to – 22 23 and i mean it's really going to go downhill where you're going to be if you're not in you're lost yeah yeah you're going to be missing a competitive advantage big time so uh, for me it's it's right there at that tipping point where it's already going to that 30 for 30 and i think it's going to happen sooner th- rather than later gotcha we saw uh, toronto added a team charlotte i think's ever adding a team next year and it seems like it's going to snowball that way and ultimately mm-hmm. be that way do you think it could be to some extent like MLB where it's actually a true training ground and every team's actually using it well? I, I do. Um, it's going to be a little different than baseball. You know, in baseball, you know, those are your prospects from rookie ball all the way up to AAA. Sure. And so it's, it's just a huge kind of deal I, I think the d-league's still going to have some aspect of free agency um there but there will be more players that i think the nba teams have control over once they can negotiate that into the cba um, and i think that's beneficial for the players you know better salaries and right. um, better opportunity to be developed and not just kind of left out in the lurch but also for some players to be free agents and go where they want and kind of control their own destiny a little bit as well so i think there will be a combination of things maybe you'll see additional rounds in the draft or two-way contracts or expanding of the nba rosters so that you can have 16 17 18 guys and some guys will be in the d league like i think there's a lot of different ways they can go with it and it'll be exciting to see you know what they kind of come to come to terms on yeah i think what fascinates me most is adding a couple of rounds and then i don't know how you handle it but like you said maybe add a couple roster spots and those two or those three are designated for the d league because right now for instance pacers have 17 guys in camp sure you can only keep 15 mm-hmm. if they don't keep a guy on the active or the 15 man roster but send him to the d league he's open for everyone correct correct so the Lakers, let's say, could take a guy off the Mad Ants. And that's, that could be ultimately a problem if it's a guy that the Pacers want to put within their development system, mm-hmm. but not tie him down to a roster spot. Yeah. 
Um, last year in Bakersfield, we had three guys get called up. Two did go to Phoenix um, because they had an inside track and they knew you know, we were sending them reports. They come down and watch our games or they're signing guys and they're seeing these other guys at the same time. Um, so they, they were able to find two players that they thought would be helpful for them at the NBA level. Um, but Elijah Millsap was called up by the Utah Jazz and went on to have a great second half of the season, providing some, some defensive energy off the bench for them, which was their calling card the second half of the year. So these guys are open for the taking for anyone. Yeah. Uh, the only guys you can't touch are the guys on NBA assignment. Brian, how many, uh, how many scouts and NBA personnel are through, through your teams in the past? What's been the history of that as far as a normal game or a practice? What's sure. kind of the standard? Couple? Um, yeah, I mean, it just depends on the game, I think, and, um, and where, you're, where you are. I mean, there's going to be more scouts in Westchester or L.A. because of just the ease of, of getting there. You know, it's a little bit easier to catch L.A. versus Idaho in L.A. than it is to catch L.A. versus Idaho in Idaho just because you're, you know, the NBA Pro Scouts might be there to watch the Lakers or the Clippers or, you know, the college scouts are there to watch UCLA or USC, so it's easier to just jump over and watch a D-League game at the same time. So it depends on where you are, but I would say, you know, there's three or four scouts in person on average maybe okay. at each game, and then uh, a lot more watching uh, online. You know, I was going to say, that's a big thing that was added, I think, two years ago, yep. full HD of every single game, yeah. and it's archived. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Pritchard's going to have a hard time with his schedule, with what team's got going on, his college scouting, international scouting of hitting all these D-League markets, but he may pull up a game and watch a half or a quarter of two or three D-League games a night. You never know. So you never know who's watching, and that's something that we preach to the players. And in part, it's great for the players then because – they can have their families watch and such. That's a real selling point. I think ultimately, though, the salaries need to get up eventually to be appealing to them. You recently just named your uh, coaching staff. One name fans may recognize. Tell me about your coaching staff and why these guys fit in well with what you and the Pacers are trying to do. Sure. Um, Steve Ganzi is going to be our head coach. He has uh, some experience in Fort Wayne. He was an assistant there for five seasons, uh, was a member of the staff that won the championship in the 13-14 season. So he's got a, not only experience in the market but a, a winning pedigree with, with the team. Um, last year he spent uh, with the Canton Charge, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers D-League affiliate. So we got a you know a chance to see how that works, that one-to-one ownership of a team good point and and see you know how it's used and guys being assigned and you know the sharing of resources and facilities and staff members and and all that goes into it so i think that'll be huge for him when it comes to you know dealing with the coaching staff with the pacers and you know the support staff with the trainers and the and everything else that we'll be doing so that that synergy will be there uh plus he's you know he's great development coach he's young he's energetic he's hungry um, you know, he's got all this experience, but he's still only 30 years old. So it's like, where? Well, you're the, only 31. <laughs> right. So, you know, where's the potential, though? Like, sure. you know, 10 years from now, he, you know, he's probably on an NBA bench. And who knows, you know, could he be a head coach in the NBA one day? So there's organizational development there for us too you know to look at him and see you know where could he be with the Pacers in the future so I think on so many different levels it just made so much sense uh, to bring Steve on so we're really excited to have him um, and it's going to be a great fit. According to Coach Vogel he's been in all the coaches meetings and that's got to really help him not only like you and the other coaches watching on the court seeing what they're saying to the players and such but being in the coaches meeting whatever happens in their film discussions what should we emphasize in practice what are they seeing in practice that 
has been a big help, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and them being comfortable with him to invite him in to do those things is is great, obviously, not only for us, but Steve's own personal development. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a, a helpfulness that Steve will provide to them during the season because we'll be running the same stuff. We might run across different defenses or different schemes or people might do stuff against us that maybe hasn't happened with the Pacers yet. And we can say, oh, when we see this defense, this is how our offense tends to react. And we can send clips and send stuff back to the Pacers so that they can game plan for things that maybe will come up later. Or, you know, it, it just, you never know. Like, we, we might play a team in the Western Conference D-League team that's running the same system that the NBA team is. Sure. They haven't played yet. So that is almost, you know, scouting information that they can look at and, and determine how they're going to play in the future. So I think it's going to go both ways, and we're going to be able to help each other a lot. Um, and I'm excited to kind of see how it develops. Hmm, that's notable because at first thought, and I think you think of what the Pacers are doing trickles down. Well, mm-hmm. how you say it, that's another way where things can trickle up, and you want that constant, the two-way communication. Sure, and, and let's say Coach Vogel wants to try some things out, but he's hesitant to do it in a game. Yep. So he calls up Steve and says, hey, I'd really like to see this. I'd really like to see this play in this circumstance. Or and with maybe this. two of my players that are there. Right, and so Steve goes, yeah, no problem, we do we – we do a couple of those things, and we send that information back, and Frank can process and maybe tweak something and send it back to us. We do it again, and before he decides to implement it on the court with the Pacers. That can be real helpful. And, and, you, and getting the players down there and running within the, within the system, that's key because I know guys have went there in the past, guys like Solomon Hill, and he wanted to leave because he didn't get playing time. And from the Madian standpoint, that's what it was because they want to win, and they've had so much success. Your team has had so much success into the finals this last year won it two years ago so that's another positive thing about the mad ants franchises it's known for being a successful franchise yeah and and to me and i said this when i had my press conference up there was to develop a a culture that you want you need to win to a certain degree you know there's no team that goes out there and goes 10 and 40 and has a great culture because just it doesn't breed that you know so we want high character people we want um you know, like development of the players is going to obviously be important to us, not only our own, but the Pacers guys when they get assigned to us. Um, but that together and that 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 will help us build the culture that we want. And it's been a culture that they've had. So it's just going to be a continuation uh, of organization getting better. Uh, obviously, we'll do things a little differently, but uh, the end goal is going to be the same. Develop players, win games, and sure. put a good product on the floor. Just from your observation here at camp, what, what's been something that stood out to you, whether it's Paul George's play or just seeing these guys up front? What's been something you've enjoyed seeing? Um, you know, for me, anytime you get this close to NBA players, I think you just realize how good they are. Um, and, a, and a 12th man or a 15th man, it really is It's minimal difference between the 8th man. You know, any guy can be in any spot. And I, I like the fact that the Pacers are so deep. You know, you don't, you're looking out there and – you know whether it's the second team or the third team like who's going to play backup minutes and who's going to yeah. push each other for spots and you know is Tony Douglas or Joe Young like who, who's going to win that battle LaVoy Allen and Jordan Hill who's going to win that battle and uh, you know you have Chase Budinger guys who have been very successful in the league um, you know and I think 
I think that just breeds a good environment of competitive and it's going to be friendly competition, obviously, on the same team. But I think it's great that it's not just, hey, everyone, here you are, here's your role, but that there's a little bit of, hey, you know, I got to protect what's mine and I'm trying to take somebody else's spot. And Mm -hmm. that pushes the team to be better. I'm I'm curious to see all the conditioning because that's one of the things Coach has highlighted more than usual. He says he's running these guys uh, a ton more. First preseason game was this past weekend. Last couple things I want to hit on. You got open tryouts coming out. We should pump that October 17th and 18th mm-hmm. at McMillan Park Community Center up in Fort Wayne. From a tryout standpoint, how many players, if any, do you usually add on those? And what what sort of things are you going to be looking for through an open tryout? Yeah, we'll add five players from our open tryouts, oh, okay. and they'll get D-League contracts. Uh, most will come directly to our training camp, and anybody that doesn't will go into the D-League draft. But we will hand out five contracts at that tryout. So I think it's a great opportunity um, to come out and be seen by not only myself and our coaches, but there will be Pacers scouts in attendance as well. That's notable. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are having a ch- How often do you get a chance to work out for an NBA scout? Uh, of any level so that's going to be great for us Um, see some talent bring these guys into training camp and what we're looking for is um, you know physical attributes are you you know are you athletic enough to play in our league are you big enough to play in our league based on what position you are but also what is your one skill that translates to our level and that could be rebounding or defense or shooting um you know energy is is a skill these days as we've seen with some guys in the nba so give us that one thing that you're good at you know if you're going to go out there and try to score 50 points you're probably not going to impress us the way you you think you would so it's more about hey are you you play hard do you have a skill that translates to our league are you big enough and strong enough to play in our league and then you have a good chance of earning a contract i always wonder is there that 40 year old guy that shows up hanging on hey let me see what i can do every year you know there's different motivations for trying out some people it's a bucket list item for some people Uh, for others it's it's a path to where they want to be um and other people it's it's a wake-up call you know they think they're the best player wherever they play and they come and they realize that it's not not that easy not everyone can play in the d league um you know there's a a misconception sometimes that the d league is for anyone else who's not an nba player that's not true um you know i've had the the task of cutting a former mcdonald's all-american from a d league team before so there's no guarantees in our league like there's no guarantees in the nba um you really got to be a good player both fundamentally athletically and all that stuff to to try to survive our league it's it's a tough tough league to those listening that maybe want to get into your similar position, what kind of thoughts would you leave with them? Just 31, and you've seemed to figure it out, maybe number one through hard work and smarts, but what would you advise others that ultimately want to work in a front office? Well, the the thing that I've had, you know, I've had the support of family um, in my initial stages of this journey, so I'm, I'm really lucky that way that I've had, you know, my mom and my stepdad and my grandparents who have helped me not only with um, – you know, encouragement, but financial support at times, because, you know, the biggest thing I tell people is you will have to work for almost nothing at some point to get started. Uh, I had two internships uh, while I was in school. Uh, My first job uh, that I accepted, I I barely made any money, Uh, definitely not enough to keep myself afloat. So, you know, it's just about taking any opportunity you can get, doing the best job you possibly can in it, making sure that when you leave someplace you have a reference for the next spot you're going to um you know it's just it's a grind and if you really want it you'll do it for 
you know, three, four, five years or however long, however long it takes you to, to get where you want to be or at least show yourself that progress. Um, but it's as long as you enjoy it, you know, it's not really as bad as it might sound. Um, but it, it's it's been a great journey for me, and I know that if you really want it, you can get there, whether or not you have the connections or the experience. Volunteer, you know. There's D-League open tryouts all over the country. You know, email someone. Ask if you can come and watch, help, run a clock, you know, mop the floor, get water. Like, Got to start somewhere. Yeah. Get, get, Absolutely. Just meet someone. Work hard enough that that guy says, well, you know, if I, if I have something else in the future, I would invite this person back. And maybe, you know, if I have an internship, maybe I consider this person. And then if I have a full-time spot, maybe I'll hire this person. And you never know, you know, who you're going to meet, who you're going to talk to, where they're going to end up. And, you know, maybe they bring you along. And one day, maybe your person you're working for turns out to be your boss. Like, it's just, you never know. I've found the basketball world's a small community. Mm -hmm. And so also, whatever impression you make, good or bad, It'll hang with you for a little bit because the connections you have, you may call a video coordinator to get him a job, or he'll reach out to you and be like, eh, no, that's not the guy you want. So sure. leave a strong impression, absolutely. Yep. Brian, I really appreciate your time. Hopefully we'll see you throughout the season. Look forward to see what this tie-in works out to be. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.